Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Achtung Mobile, broadcasting from the beautiful South Bermondsey. Accept no substitute. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to Achtung Millwall. Uh, this is a preview show, a bit of a hodgepodge preview show for the trip to Preston on October the 21st. Um, but ahead of any of today's content, as you all well know, this season, Achtung Millwall has teamed up with Pundit Games, number one football trivia game. Beautiful ball game, well worth um, investing for Christmas presents, birthdays, anything really. It's, it's a really nice game. You score goals against your opponent by answering a series of football-related questions, a, a wide range of genres and subject matters. Uh, today's question, I'm going to just give you a little taste with, is from the England, um, the Premier League, England in the 2010s, as they put it in the, in the game. Premier League 2010s. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a good game. Um, as I say, you score, you play it for 45 minutes each way, or 45 minutes if you like, however long you want to. Answer a series of questions, score a goal, and whoever's got the most goals wins at the end of the of the end of the game. And so you demonstrate your football knowledge to your peers, your loved ones, and family. Um, so today's taste the question: punditgames.co.uk. Uh, this curly-haired Argentinian flourished when he was given the Newcastle captaincy in 2011-12, guiding the Toon Army to a surprise fifth-place finish in the Premier League that season. His performances earned him a spot in the PFA Premier League Team of the Year just two seasons after making the PFA Championship Team of the Year. So this is a a Newcastle defender from 2011-12 playing alongside, um, oh, this is their Team of the Year, PFA Team of the Year, Joe Hart in goal for the PFA alongside Vincent Company, Mr X, Carl Walker, Leighton Baines, Yaya Toure, Scott Parker, David Zilva, Robin Van Persie, Gareth Bale and Wayne Rooney. So that will be the PFA Team of the Year 2011-12. A curly-haired Argentine who captained Newcastle in 2011-12, guiding them to a surprise fifth place. We'll have the answer to that question at the end of today's show. Now then, dear listeners, as we've said already, Millwall travel to Preston on the 21st of October. Early kickoff is on Sky TV. Don't miss it. Um, I've got a train ticket up there. I had a train ticket lined up from previous, uh, before they moved the kickoff time. So um, I'm still weighing up whether to go up there or not. It is on Sky TV Live. I'll probably go, knowing me, because I'm potty. Um, but I thought as a little hors d'oeuvre, for a little taster, a little, um, you know, amuse-bouche for you all, 
we do a preview um, show, looking back into the past at previous um, Preston fixture. And I found weren't that many, in all honesty. Um, in recent times, yes. Historically speaking, no, we, we didn't play Preston terribly often in the early days of, of the club's existence. I have found, um, well, I found one fixture, that the Preston away uh, away win up to Deepdale in 1928, but I also fell upon a second fixture, um, which was a rare meeting of Mill and Preston North End, actually at, um, in, on, on the Isle of Dogs, North Greenwich ground. This was in the famous cup run of 1903, dear listeners. This was a meeting of Millwall and Preston in the second round proper of the 1902-1903 FA Cup. This was a famous cup run. Millwall Athletic made it all the way to the semi-finals in 1903, uh, being beaten in the semis by Derby County, um, just short of the final obviously but this was a huge cup run it was a very very important cup run because it came on the back of um, an incident where we've mentioned this a few times on these history shows that we've done over over the years Neil and I this was the almost um, you know the 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 going out of existence of Mill in 1901 the, the the club were evicted from their ground at the athletic ground which is now the Asda on the Isle of Dogs but we were evicted from the ground and we struggled uh, for our very existence in the aftermath of being evicted from the ground by the dock companies that largely ran the show on the Isle of Dogs. So um, by a, a skin of our teeth, we'd managed to preserve the club's existence. A ground had been arranged at very short notice at what is now Millwall Park, then known as, as North Greenwich. And um, I think, as the Lions of the South puts it, quite eloquently by James Murray, that Mill still existed, um, defied the odds of a bad farthing at the Bank of England. It was a great expression. I've never heard that one before. But basically, we were lucky still to be in existence. So a cup run came as a very, very welcome boost for Mill Athletic. Um, and this game was a, se- a second round proper. We'd already beaten Luton Town 3-0 in the first round of the FA Cup. That was in early February. Second round was played on the 21st of February. And this was actually the famous victory, a 4-1 win over Preston North End at North Greenwich. Now, I do have a press report here for you listeners. As I got slightly sidetracked, as, as you do when you do this kind of stuff, my original focus was on the 1928 fixture, which we will come back to later on. I'm going to give you a double header. We're going to give you a, a, a two's up. A fixture in 1903 and then a fixture in 1928. But first up, we, as I say, got focused on this game and played in, in early uh, 21st of Feb 1903. And I found a match report, beautifully written match report, in a paper called The Morning Leader, uh, which was dated the 23rd of February. Um, headline, big headline, about the English Cup. The FA Cup was often called the English Cup back in those times, strange as it might sound. Um, Subheadline: Spurs and Millwall victorious, the Blades lose to Berry, and then the match report for Millwall, Leo rampant. Now, that, what is interesting is that with this, many people have asked, when did the um, name the Lions, the nickname the Lions start to come to pass? And the, the club at that point were sub-nicknames, we were known as the Dockers, uh, that was the... Um, you know, the, the the lead nickname, if you want to put it that way at that time, but also become known through these cup runs as the Lions of the South. And this is a very um, erudite play on that idea of being Lions of the South by saying Leo, Leo the Lion. Leo rampant, Preston North End, well beaten at Millwall. 
I'm going to read some of this match report. It's just fantastically written. I, I, I'm, I'm going to try and revive this style in my podcast. If it loses listeners, I don't give a shit. Um, but I do like this 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 tone that um, they're unnamed reporter. Actually, they don't give any kind of byline for this report. So yeah, Preston North End well beaten at Millwall. The superior person of football may turn their, his nose up and sneer that after all, it was not a clever nor scientific exhibition of the finer points of the game. Well, perhaps it wasn't. Mill never could, and probably never will, play drawing room football. Their game is to prevent the other fellows from playing it. When it is their day out, the other fellows must look for trouble. And unfortunately for Preston North End, Saturday was very much to start such a day for the Dockers. Almost from the start, and right to the finish, the Dockers gaily overran the one-time invincible Preston, who were never allowed any room. So closely did Hulse and Co. split stick to them. And if it wasn't a game crammed with the niceties of football, it was a fine cup tie to watch. The pace was hot. And with Mill going as well and strong at the end as they were at the beginning, Mr George Saunders, who was the first manager of Mill Football Club, and what we would term manager, and famous name Bob Hunter may congratulate themselves that their 10 days spent in Rushford, that's Rushford South End, were not spent in vain. That is a reference to the fact that the club had prepared for this particular game by taking the squad away to um, Southend, Rochford. Uh, the ship in, in actual fact, in Rochford, um, as by means of a, of a, of a preparation for, the, uh, for these huge cup ties. A crowd of 11,000 turned out for this particular win. It was a 4-1 win over... Preston, Millwall going 3-0 up inside the first half. The uh, match report actually expresses a, two disappointments. He, the, the reporter was uh, disappointed that we didn't get 20,000 into the North Greenwich ground. There was 11,000 in the event. That um, references from the Lions of the South report. Um, the, the massacre, as they call it, was witnessed by 11,000. When the, the, the morning leader is disappointed we didn't get 20, and he puts that down to... Uh, the conclusion that the price of the admission had been raised by the Millwall board. There was nothing new in this life, dear listeners. Millwall raised the price to get into the ground and the crowd was half of what was expected. Um, there's nothing new, as I keep saying to you. Um, this is a matter for the club's rulers, says the journalist. And if they are satisfied with the gate returns, it is of no concern to the man in the street. But speaking for myself, I, I did not like the comparatively empty stands. The huge banks at each, each end of the ground, the terracing, were pictures from man to ma man stood to man in one unbroken mass. So the cheap areas were packed. The more expensive stands were less so. Um, the match report in the Lions of the South describes the action as um, the massacre, as we've said. Only uh, McBride, Preston's goalkeeper, only, only he saved his side from total embarrassment. He kept the lines out for 20 minutes before Moran scored for Millwall. Then Gettins and Hulse made it 3-0 by half-time. Jones cracked home a fourth and in the dying stages, Preston pulled back a consolation goal. Um, that was an emphatic, if not shock victory, says Lions of the South, which put Mill back on the footballing map. The referee newspaper gave this glowing summary. This is quoted in Lions of the South. And the referee paper said... Millwall is still a power in the land and for the time being a decided factor in connection of the cup. As any survivors will readily grant if they have it in mind to visit the Docks District, Sutcliffe and Co. soon convinced them of that fact. The Millwall ground is not exactly the kind a spirit level would consider a place of ease and quiet. 
The ridges and furrows do not want pointing out. They tell their tale too plainly. A visiting team, no matter its capacity, will never find the mill enclosure a happy hunting ground. The more so now, as in all probability, the Dockers have never had a better balanced team than the ones which guards the traditions of the old Lions of the South. Fine words and healthy praise, says James Murray. And indeed, they are fine words. It's interesting um, just to read those words. Obviously, there's the, the intermixing of the Dockers and the Lions uh, nickname, but also the the reputation of of the club, um, you know, as as a place where big names come to to meet their their downfall. Uh, this is 1903 we're talking about, so you know, I, I, I'm sometimes weary of this idea that you are a product of where you come from. Um, I, it puts the the individual um to one side slightly but i equally i'm drawn to it as well so you know i like the idea that we are now who we were then and i think there's something valuable in that and that that sense of um you know something we've all been complaining about recently is the loss of identity at the club with the uh the style of football that we're playing um that's that very that's the essence of who we are 1903 um you know this 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 um the morning leader paper that I started off with refers to the superior person of football um, having to uh, accept that at Millwall the great and the good meet meet their match, and that's what we all go for. It was there. It was there then. I think it's still there now. It just has to come back sometimes. Um, at the conclusion, the leader reports just after the final whistle went. There was an, an animated colloquy now that's a name i'm gonna i'm gonna have to look up in fact i will look it up now colloquy because i'm not <laughs> i pride myself on having a reasonable um vocabulary listeners colloquy let's have a look at colloquy because it's not one i've heard of before conversation a colloquy a gathering of discussion of theological questions so it's a bit of a he's having a bit of a bit of a laugh there isn't he um there was a reasonable colloquy um at the full-time whistle, um, which the Preston officials and the referee, at the end of the first half, this is actually, um, were taking issue with the referee that um, the third Millwall goal had been scored in added time. The referee, however, Mr Adams, was quite correct, says the morning leader, in standing, standing to his guns. He had given the rival captains notice that stoppages in the game totted up to two and a half minutes, and it was well within that time when the ball went into the Preston net for the third time. So um, the colloquy... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to use that. You're going to hear that again, I don't care. Um, beautiful, beautiful report. It's, it's too long to read it all. Uh, the Mill team um, report at the end, Sutcliffe in goal, Eastern Storier, Riley, Bell and Morris Moran, J.H. Gettins, famous name, Hulse, Jones and Watkins, um, referee Mr. J. Adams. Um, so there we are. Mill progressed in the uh, in the FA Cup that season. They would meet Everton in the next round, another massive game that uh, we might come back to another day, and would eventually go out of the competition 3-0 in the semi-finals of the 1902-1903 FA Cup. A famous competition, actually, because that was the derby who beat us in the semi-finals. Then met Berry in the final, which was played at the Crystal Palace, the old uh, Crystal Palace ground, which is now roughly on the site of the uh, the dilapidated, sadly, the Athletic Stadium. That was the site of the old FA Cup ground. 
Um, in front of 63,000, Derby would be beaten by six goals to nil. It remains a record score. I think didn't Manchester City match that in in a few years ago? Beat someone six nil in the in the final. Um, but this stood for many many years as the record FA Cup final score. Bury six, Derby County nil on the 18th of April 1903 in front of 63,000 at the Crystal Palace. Uh, but yeah, Millwall Athletic would go out to Derby 3-0 in the semi-final. That game played at, at Villa Park. There we are. So Millwall, that's, 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 that game caught my eye, dear listeners. Achtung, Millwall. Now, um, the, the, my original purpose when I do these preview shows is to try and find um, a matching fixture. So we were actually away to Preston, not at home. That was a home game, so... I blew my own rule out of the water there, didn't I, listeners? So, any road, I did find originally a fixture, uh, Preston North End 3, Millwall 4. This is dated October the 6th, 1928. Now, as I said earlier on, there weren't that many um, fixtures between Preston and Millwall. The FA Cup one I've just mentioned. And really, it was only ever when we made it to the second division for a large chunk of our history that we might have a chance of playing Preston because we were obviously third division south when we entered the Football League, previously Southern League, and Preston were a major name in football. I mean, I suppose you could argue they still are in a sense, but certainly historically, Preston North End were proud Preston, the the, the initial uh, champions, the uh, unbeaten champions of, of the first Football League when it was formed in 1888. Um, and they remained, I think they won it twice. Let me just check the Preston wiki page for you listeners so my facts are correct. Yeah, they were, they were champions 1888, 89, and again 1889, 90. Runners up all through the 1890s, really. Um, and then they went off the board a little bit. When we played them in the FA Cup, the game I just mentioned in 1903, they were not quite the uh, the force that they were. But they would make a comeback in the 1950s, runners-up in the early 50s, in 1957-58. Uh, champions of the second division in, in, in through 1903-04. Um, they've played. They've been champions of every every level: fourth, third, second, and first division. FA Cup winners 1888. They did the double, famously, first double in in 1888-89. And then 1930. So anyway, kind of long story short, Preston were a major name in in the game, um, even as fallen giants, I suppose, through the early years of the 20th century. And the upshot of that is because we played a large chunk of our existence in the third division south, we rarely met them. We did meet them in this particular season. This is 1928, uh, 28-29. And the reason that we were in the second division was we had been promoted the previous year as champions, record-breaking third division South champions in 1927-28. Um, that's another story. I think we've touched on that a few times in our previous shows. Um, but anyway, we were in the second division and therefore we got to play Preston North End, which is a rare occurrence at that point. We've played them a lot more in recent times than we, we did at the start of um, professional football's existence, shall we put it that way. So, yeah, this finished up as a 4-3 win for the Lions at Deepdale, played on the 6th of October 1928 in front of 
56. Um, report here, match report from the Weekly Dispatch. Millwall forward sees their chance. Preston 3, Millwall 4. Whilst giving credit to Millwall for opportunism, opportunism, a bad defence at Preston allowed them to score four goals in 16 minutes during the first half. Wadsworth, Cock, Chance and Phillips being left to go through uh, unchallenged. During the remainder of the game, Preston were almost continually storming Harford's goal, Millwall goalkeeper, but only Ward, James and Harrison found a net. The experiment of playing Ward, the regular right half at centre forward, was successful in that he gave the best exhibition in that position any North End has, has so far put up this season. It seemed that second Mill's second goal, scored by Cock, got the, uh, the home defence rattled as they thought he was offside, and this temporary lapse during which huge gaps were left for forwards to run through cost Fre- Preston the game. All their heroic second-half efforts being of no avail. Uh, Jack Cock was a fine leader and was well-supported. Bryant was a tower of strength at centre-half and the backs and keeper excelled in their work. For Preston, Reed was always clever, but the wing halves were not up to standards. Um, now, there's also another report. It's got a really nice little um, cartoon-style drawing of Chance, George Chance, which I will stick on the which I will stick on the internet when that goes out. Now, I'm just trying to... Uh, just finding the biography. This is from Neil's uh, Who's Who book, an invaluable resource. Do get it. Mill Who's Who by Neil Fissler. It's a work of of some depth. I mean, the amount of work he's put into this is incredible. Um, so, George Chance, and there's a nice little cartoon. Uh, when in the pre photography era, um, they would often papers would often produce little um, cartoons of players, often with like big heads and outsized. Um, head and shoulders and, and small legs and bodies. It was, it was a certain style. Um, so this one is of Jules Chance, which I will stick on on the um, on the net. Um, Jules Chance was an outside right, played for Millwall from 1925 to 30, 212 games, 33 goals. He was born in a place called Coppice Mears, which I guess is up north somewhere, um, in 1896. He passed away in Quarry Bank in 1952. His career must be Midlands. His career took in Midlands clubs Cradley Heath, Stourbridge, Briley Hill, Bristol Rovers, Gillingham, then Millwall for £500 in May 1925 before returning back to Briley Hill in 1930. He made his debut versus Crystal Palace in 1925. Um, the biography says George was to many of his opponents an elusive outside right who possessed great speed and was at his best when the ground was hard. It allowed him to cut in to shoot either at goal or play into a teammate. He was never present in the third division south with a title in 1926, scoring six goals, and was a London FA Challenge Cup winner two seasons later. His great pal at the club was Archie Gom, who would go off sea fishing, and they would go off sea fishing together. George became a licensee and was mine host of the Thorns Inn at Quarry Bank after he gave up the game. George Chance. Now, as I say, there is a nice little um, cartoon of George Chance, which I will stick online. I, I quite like these. Um, they're like cigarette card style caricatures. And um, this this report is a little bit more balanced. The other one I thought was a little bit Preston-centric. This is from Reynolds newspaper. Mill winning a remarkable match. Um... For 10 minutes, had the better of the game and their forward line showed fine combinations. For this match at Preston, um, Mill had an identical team whilst Preston had Ward in the in the centre. Mill kicked off, but their opponents were quickly threatening their goal and gave Harford an opportunity for a splendid save. Uh, the game proceeded at fast pace, both territories being repeatedly 
utilised. After some fine work on the left wing, a good opportunity was lost for Reed being offside. Ewart saved a splendid shot, um, sent in by Landles. For 10 minutes, Preston had the better of the game and their forward line showed a fine combination. Ewart was repeatedly called on to save, which he did so successfully. Mill team that day, George Harford, Richard Hill, Jimmy Pipe, Vince Jones, Bill Bryant, Len Graham, George Chance, we've mentioned already, Jack Landells, Jack Cock, Will Phillips and Harold Wadsworth. That was the Mill side that won well up there at, at Preston. This was our first first season in the second division. We would finish uh, 14th, in actual fact, in the second division. This would be under Bob Hunter, having pr- been promoted uh, the previous season. Jack Cock would be our standout player for the season. 42 appearances, 25 goals. Next best being Will Phillips, 25 appearances and 12 goals. That's not bad return either. One goal every other game. And the Lions would finish, as we've said, in 14th position, um, promoted to the first division, Middlesbrough and Grimsby. Uh, relegated back to the third division, Port Vale and, and Clapton Orient, as they were known at that point. And there we are, Mill winning the game 4 3. I've picked out um, George Harford, goalkeeper. I'm not, go- not a name I'd come across very often previously. Born in Woolwich and would, uh, in 1902, die in Chorley, 1980. His career taking in Abbey Wood, Dover United, Maidstone, Bostel Heath, Era from Belvedere, Charlton. Bexie from Welling, then Millwall, Luton and Carlisle. George was a th- was in a theatre orchestra. This is the bit that caught my eye. Uh, George Harford was our goalkeeper. He was in a theatre orchestra before playing in the Football League. He was a custodian with safe hands and so a sufficient degree of anticipation. He made 34 appearances in Mill's third division, three, uh, third division South title success in 1928 and won the London Challenge Cup in the same year. But he lost his place to Joe Lansdale the following season after letting a ball go between his legs in an FA Cup tyre versus Northampton. After retiring, he worked in a viscous rayon factory in North Wales and passed away in Chorley in 1980. Um... Fascinating. A theatre orchestra playing a musical, I guess. A musician turned turned footballer. Wonderful, wonderful stories. Um, and then the last one I've picked out here is James Pipe, Jimmy Pipe. Um, a hard-working player, idolised by the Mill crowd. He was a, was a crowd hero. Uh, 218 games between 1926 and 1934. Local boy, Blackheath, died in uh, Uckfield in 1987. Played for um, Blackheath, Grays, Thurrock, Millwall. London Transport Tramways um, became a tram conductor when he retired. Became a conductor on the tram. Um, there we are. Joinery was his hobby. Which he, put, he built his own house, apparently. This is wonderful stuff. I love these stories about old school players. Such a world removed from, you know... Um, Modern era, can you imagine? I don't know. Um, maybe you can imagine uh, Mason Bennett becoming a, a bus conductor. Maybe you can imagine that, dear listeners. But that's the kind of thing that um, would happen to players back then. James Pipe became a tram conductor. Now, I had a quick look through the rest of the paper and found a wonderful story. This is the uh, says he's dated the 6th of October. This is the Daily Mirror. And in amongst the, um, the you know usual kind of stories at the time, there's just this wonderful. Um, story. Nothing to do with football, actually. I just thought I'd share it with you because it just caught my eye. This is on page three of the Daily Mirror. Back then, the, the front page was often used for frothy stories with a real meaty news inside. And this story is um, of a shooting party, sportsmen as they're described here, um, getting lost in the Sahara Desert. Um, the headline is, Lost Sportsman Found Demented in the Desert. 
dated the uh, 3rd of, uh, 6th of October, 1928, 1928, Daily Mirror. Lost sportsmen found demented in the desert. They were discovered stalking each other with their rifles in an Egyptian cave. Hang, handkerchief signals seen by an RAF plane searching for a lost group of shoot, uh, shooters gone out into the desert. Well, they're expecting to shoot in the desert, I don't know. Um, the report says, unclothed sufferers of the of Gehenna Hill removed on stretchers. Uh, must be where they were discovered, Gehenna Hill. Unable to re- re- narrate their experiences. In circumstances of drama and tragedy, a party of sportsmen who drove into the desert in a car and became lost were found yesterday near the Fayoum, near the, above the delta of the Nile, River Nile. An RAF aeroplane, one of many which had been surging the desert, saw a man signalling by means of a handkerchief tied to his rifle. He was one of the lost party, which included an official of the Egyptian royal household and an Italian, an unnamed Italian. The others were found demented in a cave, water, water loss presumably, and at the moment the airmen entered, they were stalking each other with rifles, taken to try to shoot each other. The men were taken on stretchers from the, ga- the cave in Gebel Gehenna, Hell, Hell Hill in the local tongue, to an aerodrome. They could give no coherent account of their adventure. So that let that be a lesson to any of you going out on your, um, you know, clay pigeon shooting. Don't get lost in the desert if you're going to do it. That's my my tip. The, the report continues that up to 12 aeroplanes from the local RAF station have been searching in the desert for this part. They're, they're without water and this had driven them to the demented state as described by the Daily Mirror reportage here. Wonderful story. Wonderful story, in my opinion. Also, there's another, I don't think this will take off, test of television, BBC here, uh, broadcasting pictures, demonstration next week of the Baird apparatus. As the result of a suggestion by the Baird television company that television experiments might take place at BBC stations, an important announcement was made yesterday. After consulting with the post office, the BBC stated... With the approval of the Postmaster General, we have required a specific demonstration of the Baird television apparatus. I like saying it that way, not apparatus. Apparatus. Considering experimental transmissions from BBC stations of television. Um, Would it take off, listeners? What do you think? And finally, last one. um, Princess Mary has left the Vice Regal Lodge in Dublin. This was the era of the Irish Free State. And Princess Mary and Viscount Lascelles left Euston by the express last last night for Liverpool and thence Dublin, where they will stay at the Vice Regal Lodge. There's still a Governor General. They were there as, as the wife of the Governor General of what was called the Irish Free State in the aftermath of the Civil War there. There we are, dear listeners. So that's the kinds of things that you're finding in the news at the time of that 4-3 win by Millwall at Preston. Um, I think I've probably run out of notes on that particular fixture. I hope you've enjoyed this double header. Um, let me know if you do or you don't. Um, it's intended as a little uh, tasty ahead of the trip to Preston North End on the 21st of October. Now then, we did have at the start of today's show our pundit games, punditgames.co.uk question. The number one football trivia game. Christmas is coming, blah, blah, blah. And the question was, a curly-haired Argentinian flourished when he was given the Newcastle captaincy in 2011-12, guiding the Toonami to a surprise fifth-place finish in the Premier League that season. Um, He was named in the FA PFA Premier League Team of the Year. Who was that person, dear listeners? That's the question 
The answer is Fabricio Colacino. Colacini. Colacini. There we are. I hope you've enjoyed today's edition of Achtung Millwall. Intended as a little um, tasty before the trip to Preston on the 21st. Fingers crossed for three points up there. Until the next edition of Achtung Millwall, this is Nick Hart signing out. Arrivederci Millwall. Bye for now. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.